0: Thanks to Lagoon Sleep for sponsoring our show. Wherever you're at with your running, rest and recovery are critical. For deep, restorative sleep, switch to a performance pillow from Lagoon. Use the code AMR for 15% off your first purchase at lagoonsleep.com AMR. A big welcome to new partner Tefosi Optics, maker of my favorite sunglasses. The folks at Tofosi design sunglasses that allow you to get out and live your passion, which is why I wear Tefosi sunglasses running, playing pickleball, and strolling around town get 20% off with code AMR20 at tafosioptics.com Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Sham joined today by Tish Hamilton. Hello Tish. Hi Sarah so i hear you've had a uh, literary experience recently
1: we had here in savannah georgia over president's day weekend there is the savannah book festival Mm -hmm. and it brings 40 authors wow yeah to to savannah and on saturday of that weekend they have five venues um uh, local churches and you know church hall sanctuaries and halls in the church and they have authors speaking at five different venues throughout mm-hmm. the day um, mm-hmm. and authors speak for, like it's 40 minutes so authors speak for about 20 minutes and then take questions for about 20 minutes so that's the lay mm-hmm. the groundwork but they had so they have so many good authors and they've got them all kinds of different um, genres mm-hmm. right so we have detective fiction we've got historical fiction we've got history and Mm. and uh, literary fiction and and a couple of the authors I think that you and your book co-host Ellison Mm -hmm. have talked about Mm. including Alice McDermott
0: yes Ellison loves Alice McDermott and yeah she just was raving about her most recent book on the I believe it was the winter podcast yeah, so it's mm-hmm. it's called
1: Absolution, and it's um, mm. set in uh, uh, in Vietnam during mm. the sixties. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it, it's told from the point of view of wives, two wives of mm-hmm. uh, men who are in the military in some capacity, in high ranking capacity, uh, and and sort of the, the lives of the the women behind the scenes. And um, it, it's her novels are like very. Um, they're, they're closely observed and, and there's, mm. they're, there's, they're, they're not huge sprawling. They're like really, um, uh, tight writing. I just love it. Um, mm. and so it was so great to hear her speak and, and, uh, talk about what inspired her to write it. And she, she actually talks about, she gets inspired just talking to women and then hearing mm-hmm. their stories and, and, mm. uh, uh and the 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 venue, it was packed. She was like, she was a, a big hit.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So forty minutes. though, that's. I mean, for them to only speak for twenty minutes and then take questions for twenty minutes. I mean, I would think you'd blink and you'd, and it's over.
1: That's that is true. It it, mm-hmm. it is really it, it's really tight. And I, I might have the numbers wrong. But it might be forty five or fifty minutes. But you you are right. It is very it's, it does go very mm. quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. But hearing you talk about the novel now, I remember Ellison talking about it. she just adored it yeah i'm going to have to literally check that out
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um you know tim o'brien was there who wrote oh. uh the things they carried mm-hmm. and the headline one of the headline speakers was jeanette walls who's the author oh, yeah. of the, oh, glass and the glass castle and mm. hang the moon mm-hmm. uh, and she was wow. fantastic it was it's just it's so
0: thrilling yeah really big names that is impressive really fantastic
1: Mm. And and uh, it, it ties into running because we yeah, have yes. uh, <laughs> in my running club. There's sort of like a subset uh, running group that's called. It's in a book club, and mm-hmm. it's called. And um, it, it sh- and she's on social media at at Read Run Rant, mm-hmm. and she and a friend had been. that's about a decade ago. They they were running and always talking about books. And she said, you know, we should start a book club. So it meets once a month after we have a Sunday morning club run um, Mm -hmm. at seven o'clock that meets at at a local coffee shop. And then after the run the folks who are interested in the in the book club can stay and have coffee and sit around a table and, and talk about the book. So, which I, I, love, I love that, that because oh, it's, yeah. it's so great because like uh, book clubs, it's hard to fi- fit everything into your schedule as every mother runner knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like attached to a run and it's <laughs> eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, who, you, which you would never do except for you are going on for your run first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. What excuse do you have for not coming? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah yeah we have our coffee and talk about the book and call it a day and it's it's
0: really it's really fun oh nice and is it a all genders book club it
1: is and 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 it's also even though it's called read rant run um it's very welcoming of of walkers as well so Mm. anybody can come
0: very nice very nice i think i think uh we might have to i don't know do a q and a with the founder of that or something on our website because I think it's a intriguing concept.
1: Yes, yes, 100%. She's a hundred percent. She's a dynamo, and you know she she's a local. She's a marketer, and uh, she, you know she's one of those people who makes things happen.
0: Mm, nice, nice, nice. Well, Tish, those people who are getting up for that 7 a.m. run and the 8 a.m. book group uh, might be wondering how they get to sleep the night before so they can make it all happen. And that's that's what we're talking about today, sleep, that sometimes all too elusive creature. Our guest is Julie Bergfeld, a former marathon and ultra marathon runner and avid yoga practitioner. Julie is a sleep space coach as well as a certified human potential coach, nutrition coach, yoga instructor, and tiny habits coach, which I'm going to ask her about that one. Julie will help us understand how to fall asleep faster, get more restorative sleep, and more. Thanks so much for joining us, Julie.
2: Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to
1: share what I know. So, Julie, we usually start by asking our guests' running background. Um, But instead of asking you straight up about your running, I'd like for you to tell us, please, if you don't mind, about your running background and a condition that you have now that some folks might have heard of because it's something that Kara Goucher also is dealing with.
2: Yeah, I've been running for, um, gosh, more than 40 years now, and I still run Despite the fact that I have a condition called runner's dystonia and it has hampered my running. So I call it my rogue left leg, which kind of flops a little bit when I run, Mm -hmm. but I still, I still get out there and sometimes it's more of a gallop. Sometimes it's a little shuffle or a trot. Um, so nothing like I used to do where I used to be very active in marathons and ultras and, and that's not the case anymore. And honestly, having that condition has changed the course of my life mm. in so many positive ways. And there's still that sadness there,
1: but um, it's, it's changed my life for, for the better. Wow. And wow. and for folks who don't know, what is dystonia runner's mm-hmm. dystonia? Yeah. So
2: what happens in runner's dystonia is there's a muscle or maybe a couple of muscles that have forgotten how to function properly. So they don't fire appropriately. And the other muscles, some other muscles take over and overfire. So there's a mismatch in the nervous system in what should be happening. And in my case, it was brought about, I believe it was brought about because of a litany of injuries mm. which can cap it it can be overuse it can be injuries but something will bring it on um some sort of trauma it could be physical trauma or emotional trauma mm. it's common with musicians it does happen with runners and with other people who do repetitive motions mm. and the thing about it is there's certain people who are affected and certain people who are not and I think runners and musicians are highly driven, highly focused and motivated to do things. And we tend to get into repetitive patterns and loops, if you will. So getting unstuck from those loops can be a bit of a challenge. And it's unique for every person in how to unwind those patterns. I am working through a lot of stuff right now and I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if my running will ever be like it was, but um, it is definitely getting better.
0: Hmm, That's amazing. That's wonderful. All right, Julie. So tell us about your professional background. As I indicated in the intro, you definitely do an interesting mix of things.
2: I do. So right now I am a coach. I'm a health and wellness coach. And as you stated, I am a mobility coach. I coach people on yoga. I work with a lot of senior adults on um, balance prevention or uh, fall prevention. So balance training, things like that and yoga as well. So I um, teach yoga and I work with people privately with teaching yoga as well. How I got there is really interesting. And a lot of it is because I wanted to figure things out for myself through the health and wellness and the, the runner's dystonia for sure. And all the injuries, but as far as, professional training. I have a degree in French and I have a degree in journalism. It's like, how do these fall into things? I don't know. And I worked in technology for a long, long time. And I think through those experiences, I got totally burned out on all of that stuff, especially the technology. And that threw me into the more holistic healing of health and wellness and working more with my body, which is what I've always been drawn to do. I just didn't know it from an early age. Mm, mm. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. So and as I promised in the intro, I have to ask, what's a tiny habits coach? I mean, there's a part (laughs) of me that envisions either tiny houses, which are very popular here in Portland, or that you're working with fairies and leprechauns and gnomes and, you know, unicorns, things like that. Some days
2: I wish I were working with fairies. <laughs> <not pre-con. laughs>
0: Don't we all? It would
2: be a lot easier. <laughs> but um, actually the tiny houses is, is a good analogy mm-hmm. because what we do a lot of times in our lives is we have these huge goals and there's nothing wrong with having a huge goal. I run, to run a marathon. I run, to run an ultra. I want to make a million dollars but we don't know how to get there. And we try to do too much at one time too fast and end up shutting it down, failing, getting overwhelmed, frustrated. And we think that we're bad or insufficient or something's wrong with us because we can't achieve our goals. When the reality is we just haven't gone tiny enough. Mm. And That doesn't mean that you have to go slow, but you have to have a good idea of the steps that are going to get you to the larger goal, okay? And so when we're talking about tiny, it's a good example is say you want to end up doing 100 push-ups every day. Well, you don't do 100 push-ups on that first day. Let's do two. Okay. And Mm -hmm. that might seem like a bare minimum. You can always do more, but let's keep the minimum to two. And then the next day it's like, okay, I can do two. Maybe I'll do three today. And then you keep stepwise going a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more and feeling good about your progress instead of failing and beating yourself up because you didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so really what it comes down to, and the the originator of this theory, he's an academic, his name is BJ Fogg, and he wrote a book. And yes, they have the the coaching, the certification program. Mm -hmm. But the theory is that it's not repetition. It's not the amount of time that you spend doing something. There's no myth about the 21 days or 40 days. That doesn't hold true. It's emotions that wire habits. Mm -hmm. It's how you feel about what you're doing that wires it into your system.
0: Hmm. That's fascinating. Like I said, I'd, I'd never heard of it. And I, I think it's a whole nother podcast topic right there.
1: On game. <laughs> <laughs> so in the intro, Sarah also mentioned that you're a sleep space coach. And so um, let's talk about sleep. On a scale of one being the lowest to 10, the highest, how important would you say sleep is in terms of our health and why? Absolutely a 10. Hands down. I consider
2: sleep the foundation for everything. And while I don't advertise that I'm a sleep coach, I am a sleep coach. It comes out with all of the coaching that I do. I'm always, that's like one of the first questions that I ask with people, especially ones that have health problems. How is your sleep? How much sleep are you getting? Is it regular sleep? Is it quality sleep? And, you know, we it's not that we deep dive into sleep necessarily, but it's the springboard for so many other things. In fact, I have one client who is she's she's trying to lose weight. And um, what she realizes is the one thing that has helped her the most is focusing on her sleep and her sleep patterns. And so when things go a little bit off, when she gets cranky, when she gets overwhelmed, she's like, yeah, I haven't been honoring my sleep patterns and my sleep hygiene. It's like, okay, let's go back there and and focus on the sleep. So it is critical for overall health, cognitive function, memory. Um, It hastens recovery. It helps with weight loss, as I said. It improves aerobic performance and reaction time and a litany of other things Mm. Mm.
0: all right well because we know that sleep is such a big issue with our community i did what i often do which is turn to our facebook community to crowdsource questions and before we go into them i want to say at the outset for the benefit of all of us, you're not a doctor nor are you here to provide a diagnosis for anyone you know there's a lot of backstory going on with some of these questions that you you're not psychic you can't get to them so so tish is going to ask you the first one
1: Okay, this is from Teresa, and it's kind of like laying the groundwork here. And she asks, um, is, it a, is it true that some people um, are eight-hour sleepers and some are six-hour sleepers, or should everyone be aiming for eight hours a night? You know, that's a really good question. And for most
2: people, and this is, its really is a genetic predisposition for most people. And I don't know the the numbers off the top of my head, or if they even have numbers, seven to nine is the average that an adult should be getting. There are very, very few people who genetically can survive well on six hours a night. Very, very few people. Mm. So I would say if you're getting six hours a night, monitor how you're feeling. And a lot of what I do in my coaching is encourage people to get curious about how you're feeling and incorporate, I call it biofeedback into the loop so that you're not always relying on external factors and external trackers or what Susie over there is doing or, you know, it's like, no, focus on how you feel the next day. If you can get up every day after six hours and feel energized and not have any performance issues, hey, Maybe you're golden, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you have that gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of us
0: don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, these two gals are asking basically the same question. Nicole asks, all in capital letters with a lot of exclamation points and question marks, How do I sleep? The struggle is real. And Christine asks, How do you sleep in general? A good quality sleep where you go to sleep after you lay down and then stay asleep till you wake up. And when I read what Christine says, I just think that might be the holy grail that people are trying to find. You know,
2: without going into personal histories and habits and behaviors, which that can, that can be super useful to really unpack some of this stuff. What happens a lot of times is people don't have what's considered good sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about um, some of the common things that I see people doing and then some some tips on on rectifying some of that stuff mm-hmm. is, one, the big thing is using screens before bedtime and going to bed with your phone, with your iPad, even your computer, watching TV in bed. Blue light will impact your sleep. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it's not the blue light necessarily, but it decreases melatonin production. And melatonin is what you need in order to get quality sleep. And I'm not talking taking supplements. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about natural melatonin that your body produces. If you reduce blue lights before bedtime, probably an hour before your bedtime, your sleep will probably improve over time. Okay. So that's, that's one thing that I see a lot of people doing. The other thing is setting a consistent bedtime and Wake time every day of the week. That is something that can really help to improve sleep duration and sleep quality and um, help to mitigate waking up at say 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Or for me, last night it was 1 a.m. Yeah ruminating over something that I was doing well today over this podcast and then all of a sudden it was like oh and next Tuesday this meeting that I'm conducting it's oh my gosh how do I get that out of my head and that happens a lot especially as we age and you know hit menopause which I am luckily past now mm-hmm. the ruminating thoughts can be a real factor and so there's ways of down-regulating your nervous system before bed. So breathing techniques, and I'll talk about a favorite one of mine in a second, stretching before bed, foam rolling, ideal time to do it is right before bed. Anything that you can do to relax before bed, golden. Mm-hmm. That is going to help you to sleep a lot better. You could try magnesium supplements, and in particular, uh, the forms That I would recommend are three and eight, magnesium three and eight, or glycinate, magnesium glycinate. Those are really good for sleep. And then the breathing technique that I really use, and this is what I used last night, it's called a four, seven, eight breath. Mm. If you want to Google that. So you breathe in for four, the count of four you hold for the count of seven, and then you exhale for the count of eight. Mm. And it really doesn't matter so much about, you know, making sure that it's four and then seven and then eight. But what you really want to get to is the exhale being longer than the inhale. And that's going to help to calm the nervous system down. Mm. So those are some just some quick tips on, you know, allowing the the melatonin to stay high and to keep the You know, to, to keep the productions through, throughout the night, because what happens a lot of times is if you can't fall asleep. It might be because you don't have enough melatonin. Your body is just like, Oh, I'm not tired yet. Mm-hmm. And if you wake up too early in the morning, it probably is because you're like running out of melatonin and your body just thinks that it's time to wake up. Oh, another thing too. Um, this has been key for me is getting early morning sunlight into your eyes. Mm. Doesn't have to be for long, but like five, 10 minutes. You know, maybe you step outside. Maybe you go for a quick walk. But anything to help the circadian rhythm in your body, understand that it's like, okay, it's daylight now. And then understanding that it's nighttime when it's nighttime and reducing the blue lights before bed.
1: Those are keys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you're talking about how to fall asleep because we have a question from Nikki. And she's asking for tips for falling asleep within 60 minutes, which sounds long to me. 60 minutes seems like a long time to not be able to fall asleep. And then staying asleep as well. So she says no menopause issues. She just has an active brain that seems to enjoy problem solving. So how do we quiet that active brain?
2: Yeah. Again, with the active brain, one thing that, that I do, the breathing techniques work. And sometimes, though, when the brain is really active, it's like, no, it's, you know, the thoughts keep popping in. It's like, no, I'm not going to breathe. I'm going to ruminate here. Um, one thing that I like to do is I will have a piece of paper by the bed or a journal, really. And I'll write down all those ruminating thoughts mm-hmm. and get them out of my brain so I don't have to focus on them. And it's like, you know, I don't have to do that right now. I'm not going to get out of bed and do that right now. It's on the paper. I'm not going to forget about it, but it's not in my brain anymore. So that has been really helpful for me to, to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to the point where I get out of bed and go write it down in the other room. It's like, okay, done. <laughs> now I can go back to bed that can help a lot as far as the ruminating thoughts um the other thing to consider is you know anything to to quiet your brain that's where the the bedtime routine really comes in handy as well like the stretching before bed but getting your body and your brain into the mode of okay this is what we do before bed instead of ruminating So anything, and again, this is going to be a personal preference, you know, what do you like to do? Maybe it's reading a book that is boring Mm. even, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, relaxing, but anything that's not stimulating where you can be a lot more passive
0: Mm.
2: can help a lot for falling asleep. Mm
0: -hmm. I also find that I can have trouble falling asleep when my feet are cold. And for Mm. some reason, my feet seem to get especially cold about an hour before I fall asleep, or tried it, you know, before my bedtime, and so I put on wool socks once I kind of retired uh, to upstairs and reading or watching some TV, whatever it is. And yeah, I've, I talked to a couple of our brand ambassadors, and they were saying like they have like a special mattress that can heat up certain regions of it, and so they'll turn that on. And I think about you know in the olden days, when people went to maybe they still do went you know took a hot water bottle to bed, that sort of thing. So is there some some reality to? having warmer feet that helps you fall asleep or no?
2: You know, I think it's a perfect it's a it's a personal preference. Mm. Personally I like my feet and my hands to be cold. Mm. <laughs> and you know, I, I get my hands and my feet out of the covers and I want my core warm. Mm. So I think that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that really help me, I have a weighted blanket mm. and that really helps me fall asleep. Another thing too that has been really helpful for me when I have trouble sleeping are sleep sounds mm. and um, either sleep sounds on an iPad that's on airplane mode and it could be ocean waves. That's one that I really like. I also have now a um, an air filtration system in my bedroom. And that makes a noise like a white noise and that really helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to experiment and get curious about what works for you. Eye shades help me a lot mm-hmm. too, having a very dark room and quiet room, meaning there's no, um, no TV noise, you know, no garage doors <laughs> banging. But something that's more like white noise can can help a lot. But it, it, it comes down to personal preference and what works for you mm-hmm. over a period of time. And don't be afraid of, you know, oh, Julie, the sleep specialist said this. It's like, nope, <laughs> doesn't work for me. I'm going to try something else. Great. Let me know what works. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd love to know.
0: So we got um, a form of this question from several people, including Sandy and then Linnea Asked why always three a.m. Why? And uh, of course, they're both talking about you know waking up at three a.m. for seemingly no reason. Like Sandy says, she's not having night sweats. There's nobody snoring. She just wakes up, and she's you know they're like, "What the heck?" Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I talked about this a little bit, and it's probably because your your circadian rhythm of your your body is wrong. The circadian rhythm is is off. Mm-hmm. So that's where it comes back to setting a regular sleep time, mm-hmm. bedtime wake time. And preferably the bedtime is any like 10 to 11 mm-hmm. at the latest, mm-hmm. you know, so that means you're waking up six to 7am, something like that, if you can do that. And on a regular basis, you know, don't expect that one night of changing it is going to do anything. So that would be one thing, not eating too close to bed mm-hmm. can help a lot with that. Also making sure that your last meal is not heavy in sugars. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you have to avoid sugars, but make sure that you're getting quality fats and proteins that can help a lot with sleep. There are some foods that you can experiment with that are supposed to be helpful for sleep as well. Things like cherries, Mm -hmm. eggs, those actually have melatonin in them. Those can be helpful. Limiting caffeine after, you know, I have A limit right now where afternoon, Mm -hmm. I cannot have caffeinated beverages. It messes up my sleep cycle. So just knowing your tendencies. When I was younger, didn't affect me me as much. But as I've gotten older, it's like if I have caffeine at two p.m., I cannot fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So just you know, monitoring that and maybe even limiting the amount of caffeine that you have during the day. That can that can help. Getting that morning sun can help a lot. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a ton exercise. And I know that your audience (laughs) does exercise, but making sure that you are getting consistent exercise and not too close to bedtime. When I was actively training for things and doing, I would do hard workouts in the evenings and, um, boy, on those nights, I would have such a hard time falling asleep Mm. And my sleep was super restless, so I had to vary, I had to move my morning my hard workouts to the morning, which I
1: hated, <laughs> but at least I was
2: able to sleep and get the recovery in.
1: Yeah, so speaking of that kind of restless sleep, we have two questions from folks who don't have any trouble falling asleep, Becky and Jill as well, and they say like they don't have any trouble falling asleep, but they feel like they're not getting deep sleep. And even though they sleep, they feel tired when they still get up. And Jill says her app tells her that she's not getting deep sleep. So they're asking about how can we, you know, affect getting deeper sleep.
2: Yeah. Some of the same things that we've already talked about. So limiting screens before bed, getting the bedtime routine down so that you're doing restful things. And, and really what you're doing is you're shifting your body from the sympathetic state The more fight and flight, um, activated state to the parasympathetic state. So the rest and digest. Mm. So anything that you can do there to switch that. So the stretching, the mindfulness, the reading, not on a screen before bed can help with that kind of stuff. Also, you know, not having active discussions late at Mm. night or phone calls late at night. Yeah, that can really be a factor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, right before bed is probably not to bring up the <laughs> triggering thing with your spouse yeah, how are we going probably to pay the not. taxes yeah, yeah uh, no. send the kids to college yeah <laughs> save that for
0: uh, breakfast time uh-huh. right
2: yeah that's that's going to cause the rumination and the not so great sleep and then also you know the change in the um the time frame and i'm talking um last meal to bedtime probably 3 hours mm. you should be finishing your last meal about three hours before bedtime, because that can really impact sleep, mm-hmm. especially if it's a very heavy, heavy meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so any it, it's activating. Mm-hmm. So that can be one thing that can help a lot. Mm-hmm. Limiting alcohol, it doesn't mean that you have to stop drinking, but right before bed, alcohol actually impacts sleep quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And especially it can cause the waking up in the middle of the night and not able to go back to bed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some those are some things.
0: Yeah, I was as you were talking, I was suddenly reminded of when I went on a, a date in college back when I ate meat. And um I must have been a expensive date because I had filet mignon. And I could not sleep at all that night. Like it just I was so revved up from that, you know, really high quality concentrated protein. And uh yeah. <laughs> anyway. So we have a question from PETA. And she wants to know something that I want to know, too, is rest the next best thing to sleep so that she says she wakes up most mornings between 3 and 4 a.m. And she's lucky if she sleeps one more hour. So her question is, if she lies there and just rests and stops stressing about being awake, is that okay or is that not, you know, giving her the restorative uh, aspect of sleep that she needs? Yeah,
2: I would say if that's happening, work on your circadian rhythm Mm. and get the early morning light. Use some of the tips that I've already talked about to get your body back in sync. And if you do wake up consistently at that time, you know, one or two times, not a big deal. But if it's every day waking up at that time, I would say get up, you know, do something else. And lying there in bed can cause the body to think that that's okay to do that. And really, ideally, we're using bed for sleep and that's it, not just lying there and, and thinking about things because it can put you into a negative ruminating cycle mm. where you're in a negative mode, um, just resting there. So I would say get up and then work on some of the things, implementing some of the things that we've talked about to reset your state,
0: circadian rhythm. Mm. Well, then, because you mentioned laying in bed and not getting up, I must use the term that I (laughs) I clued Tish into this week, which is herkle-durkle. And it's I guess it's a Scottish phrase that means to just lounge in bed rather than immediately popping out of bed, like when, you know, in the morning time. So let's say 7 a.m., 8 a.m. or something. And then I guess it's a real trend now for people to herkle-durkle for long periods of time. So I basically just wanted to say Hercule Dercule on the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hercule <Herkle-durkle>. Dercule. <laughs> um, but I guess
0: it does, you know, could you then talk a little bit about the kind of keeping the bed as the place to sleep? So like, are you suggesting that, that when people read before bedtime, should they be reading in a, you know, in a chair in their bedroom or, you know, on the couch downstairs or, or whatever?
2: Really good question. Ideally, the bed is for sexual activities and sleep. Mm -hmm. So if reading is in bed, I would say, yeah, put a chair in your bedroom or outside of your bedroom and read there before bed. Or maybe you're lying down on your floor doing stretching and you're reading at the same time, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Get non-bed activities out of the bed, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. and. What that does is it gets the body and the brain used to it's like, oh, bed. That means sleep instead of Herkel Durkle.
0: <laughs> there we go. Come on, Tish. You gotta say there You, you go. gotta say it, Tish. You gotta admit that you liked it. You gotta use Durkle. it yeah. to put it into
1: your vocabulary. <laughs>
0: yes. I
1: think Hercule Herkel Durkle is is a luxury for people who don't have to get up.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, it most certainly yeah. isn't. It's, you know, the people with small children are, are laughing yeah, like, doubly no, hard. There's no the phrase, hurtful hurtful in durkling. their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no type of anything that could be construed as Hercule Durkling. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. Stick around for more sleep advice. We all know the importance and power of quality sleep. Workouts seem easier, problems less daunting, patients more abundant. Our guest today is sharing loads of insight and advice on how to fall asleep faster and sleep more deeply. One thing I've found that helps with both those sleep goals is my Lagoon Premium Performance Pillow, designed with athletes like us in mind. Lagoon has seven pillow styles to choose from, with an easy two-minute quiz to learn your perfect pillow for sliding effortlessly into deep, restorative sleep. My perfect pillow is the Otter, which is fully adjustable, meaning you can remove fill to make the height just right for your own personal neck and back alignment. I took out some of the fill to let my neck relax better overnight. I love how the pillow stays fluffed all night. After getting up to pee in the middle of the night, I don't feel the need to flip it over or prod it. My Lagoon pillow is delightfully comfy from the moment I lay my head on it. Since sleeping on the Lagoon Otter, I fall asleep faster, wake up less frequently during the night, and wake up feeling well rested, usually before my alarm goes off. U.S. Olympic Trials Marathon qualifier, Caitlin Keen, saw her deep, restorative sleep increase by 52 minutes when she started using the Fox pillow from Lagoon. Wake up more refreshed with the perfect Lagoon pillow for you. Go to lagoonsleep.com AMR and take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match. Then use code AMR for 15% off your first purchase. That's lagoonsleep.com AMR with code AMR for 15% off your first purchase. L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com slash AMR with code AMR for 15% off your first purchase. I'm a longtime fan of Tofosi Optics sunglasses. I love how durable and affordable they are while providing high quality optics. Get this, I just learned that Tofosi is the Italian word for super fan and that's exactly who the brand makes their eyewear for. Tofosi glasses are super high quality. Tofosi glide technology allows the frame to slide uncomfortably and provide an anti-bounce fit hydrophilic rubber nose pads increase grip the more you sweat so the glasses stay secure during even the most intense activities i wore a pair of the swank one of tifosi's most popular models last saturday first for nearly three hours of pickleball right into a four-mile run my tifosi stayed in place perfectly and comfortably the entire time tifosi's shatterproof polycarbonate lenses are scratch resistant and they reduce glare What I love best about Tifosi glasses are the polarized lenses that provide exceptional clarity, and the ones that are fun colors don't distort the way the world looks like some shades do. See for yourself. Get 20% off Tifosi sunglasses with code AMR20 at TifosiOptics.com. Again, get 20% off Tifosi sunglasses using code AMR20 at T-I-F-O-S-I Optics.com. That code, amr 20 the website, tafosioptics.com So one of the gals earlier in her question asked about, you know, saying that um, one of her devices was saying she needs more deep sleep. And another, Sarah, asked a question, is it worth looking at risk-based sleep trackers or does the info just stress you out? And, and several girls asked about the reliability of sleep data from, say, their Garmin or Coros GPS.
2: You know, that's a really good question. I got an aura Ring. Oh, this was probably like five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was really reliant on it for a long, long time. And what I found was I became obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. Every day, you know, we check my numbers in the morning. How did I do? And it became, it really did become obsessive. And so I, I stopped using it. And I think one of the things that I learned from it was I learned how to get better sleep. And I learned how to trust myself. So I didn't need the device anymore. Hmm. And so that was, it was informative in helping me to put some better habits into place. But I didn't need it every day for the rest of my life. In fact, it's on its charger right now, just sitting there <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> And then what I found was I was like, okay, I'm going you know, to, I'm I'm curious. I'm just innately curious person. I'm going to get a Garmin and see how that sleep tracker compares to my Aura Ring. Mm. So I put the Garmin on. I was sleeping with that hugely different Hmm. as far as, yeah, it was very, very different as far as the, um, the quality quantity same, of course, Mm -hmm. but the quality was very different. One said I was getting almost twice as much deep rest as uh, yeah, as the other one did. And so I'm like, Hmm, (laughs) something's weird here. And so what I, what I really got to was external devices are a tool. And they do help you to clue into your own natural width rhythms and will give you a guideline, a baseline, but really think about a triangulation. Okay. So the device says this, this was my activity level. How do I feel? Right. Do I feel rested? Do I feel like I maybe don't need that cup of coffee in the morning? And really think about how do you feel after the night's sleep and then look at the data or, you know, look at it all together and learn your own biorhythms and go from there. You know, what does work, what doesn't work, and then look at what the tracker says. And so with that said, you know, I didn't answer one of the questions. How accurate are they? Well, they vary. The most accurate ones are still the wearables, and and not the wrist based, mm. but the Aura Ring and there's a Whoop band mm. that's a that's a, a more of a bracelet. Um, those are more accurate than the the wrist based ones for for whatever reason. I, I I don't exactly know the technology is just better. Mm. Your most accurate way is to go to a sleep lab, which I'm not going to do. Right. Right. <laughs>
1: Not very practical, so um no. we have a question from Laura who's in her mid forties, and Laura says that she functions best on eight to nine hours of sleep per night, which sounds good to me, but <laughs> she then goes and asks like am i am I training myself to need this much sleep?" and she says that a part of her would like to be able to function well on fewer hours of sleep.
2: Well, it sounds like she has found her sweet spot with the eight to nine hours a night. And I would love to function well on six hours a night too, but it's just not going to happen. My body breaks down. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I get injured, um, I get sick and you just have to go with what works for you. Genetically, I am a person who needs eight to nine hours a night and it sounds like she does too. So I would say that in a pinch, maybe one night six hours, but every night it's, it's just not going to happen for, for this person.
0: Mm. Yeah. So Tracy asked, what's the best way to manage pain that keeps you awake? She cited like her hip or her knees.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think really getting a handle on pain, not prevention necessarily, because it sounds like if if it's chronic, you're not necessarily going to prevent it. But what can you do that can help to mitigate the pain? Is it taking a bath before bed? Is it doing some stretching before bed? It might be um, elevating the part that is hurting a little bit. I used to have a lot of pain in my ankles and feet. And so I would get a pillow and either put it under my knees or put it under my legs. And that would help a lot, especially after a hard run or a really long run, any sort of elevation of the appendages can help quite a bit in helping to relieve pain. And so get a little bit curious about what might help. Maybe there is, maybe compression helps or maybe there's a pain relieving cream that could be used, Mm -hmm. but I would get a handle on how to best deal with that pain and to allow you to help to to fall asleep in whatever way or shape without taking pain relievers. And there are some natural supplements that can be taken Mm -hmm. that can help with pain and magnesium can help a lot. Not necessarily with pain, but with helping one to feel drowsy so that the pain doesn't necessarily pop up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Erica has a question about pain also, but it's not um, localized pain, like not like an injury pain, but she talks about having trouble sleeping the night after her long run and she does not want to take, she doesn't want to take a, you know, pain reliever. So she says she knows that the muscle soreness is her body repairing itself from a hard effort. But, uh, is there anything that she can do to to sleep well on the night after a long run? And I have that too. I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel like my body's just burning up. So I'm curious about how we can, How we can have a better sleep on, on the nights after hard efforts.
2: Yeah. That's a great question. One of the things that I used to do religiously when I was, um, doing those hard runs or those long runs in the, in the typically for me, it was in the morning and later in the day, even though most days I really didn't want to do it, I would take a walk and that helps to kickstart the body's repairing healing system. So that those kinds of things don't pop up when you're going to bed. Also, hydration can help a lot. So making sure that your body is hydrated and well nourished as, you know, that, that, that can help a lot. The other thing to think about too is if you are training hard on a certain day or running long, make sure that you're still staying on top of your nutrition. Just because you've, you know, run a long way doesn't mean that that then becomes a cheat day and you're eating a bunch of sugar or, you know, feeding yourself in non-nutritive ways. Make sure that you're really fueling your body appropriately for that recovery, because sometimes that can be a factor as well in um, causing those kinds of aches and pains when you lie down for sleep. Um, so, and and any sort of stretching, like even more stretching on those, on those days to help you to get into a more restful state so that the little aches and pains don't pop up.
1: So, and then Dina asks about what to do on those mornings after a night when you haven't, she hasn't slept well. So should she modify her training if her sleep was not good?
2: Yeah, I think this is where looking at not just the micro cycle or, you know, the day, what's planned on the, the, the day for the workout, look at the whole week and even look at the whole month and look at where it's like, okay, you know, I didn't sleep very well last night. Is there another workout that I can swap in? Or maybe this day becomes a rest day or, Maybe, um, I just, you know, it says eight miles on the schedule. I'm going to run three really, really gently just to get something in. So don't be afraid of, you know, modifying, getting curious about what might work. So many times we, and I say we, as in women, cause I am so guilty of this still. And it's like, okay, you know, the schedule says eight by Gosh, I'm gonna do eight. You no, know, no deviations there. I wanna stay on that. It's like be kind to yourself and monitor where you are. Again, looking at biofeedback, you know, how do you feel? You know, if you can handle eight, go for it. But you might be risking injury down the road. So is this a time and a place where you can be a little bit gentle on yourself? If it's calling for a harder workout today, swap in something else. Or, you know, maybe today's the day to do cross training instead, something that isn't as rigorous and allows your body to get a little bit more restoration. So don't be afraid to be a little gentler. Mm
1: Right. And then and then so we have a sort of a variation on this question, which is Karen, who is talking about her recovery days and she does active recovery day. But then when she goes to bed, she doesn't feel tired and she feels restless at night. How does she sleep? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always
2: found that on my recovery days, I had to do something. Um, and typically what I would do is going into a race, I wouldn't take the day off right before the race. I would take the day off before the day off. So I would take Friday off if the race were on Sunday. And, and unless I did something, I would too would have trouble sleeping. So I would make sure that I did a walk or, um, a walk and, and, and maybe a little bit more yoga, but something that was still active. But not doing nothing at all. So that always helped me. And also making sure that my schedule is very, reg- uh, not regimented, but regular. So instead of thinking about, oh, it's a day off, I'm going to sleep until 10 <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> eat lots of junk food. It's like, mm, probably not. You know, make sure that you're staying within certain boundaries, if you will, and regularity, but do something. That's gonna. That will probably help a lot. But again, you know, some of this comes down to um, these are general guidelines, and what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am a semi-professional napper. I have yet to find anybody who pays me for it, but I'm ready for it. I can apply for that job anytime. So I have to ask, what's your stance on naps, Julie? Especially when the miles climb up during a training cycle. You know, if someone's training for a half or a full marathon
2: i think naps are a great recovery tool mm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
2: i really do and with that said it is recommended to limit the amount of time that you are napping and preferably they would happen before about 3 p m and the reason is because if they're longer than that and if they're later than 3 p m they can impact the quality of your your regular sleep but i think they're a great tool for recovery mm-hmm.
1: And then we have a, a, a really unique question from someone who does shift work. So this is Katie, and she, Katie works 24-hour shifts. And so she is wondering how to get her workouts in while also getting her sleep and not disrupting her sleep patterns any more than she already has to.
2: Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, and it's tough in that it's not the norm, right? So it's not tough necessarily, but it goes against the norm. So what I would say is, you know, get a little bit curious about what you could do. Is there a way that you can work out during that 24-hour shift? That would be one option. Investigate, can you work out right before you go onto your work cycle? You know, right before right before the shift, which seems like a lot, but some people can handle that quite well. Some people do quite well working out right after they get off when the body is, you know, relatively awake and then getting into a sleep cycle. The other thing to think about too is can you schedule your workout so that maybe not right after that 24-hour shift, maybe um in 48 hours, so you know, like 24 hours after that, you get back onto a routine. So your rhythm with workouts can still happen, but it's probably going to look a lot different than other people. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so difficult because if you are a community runner, you know, relying on a group that might not work for you. So you might also want to crowdsource some other people who work similar shifts, Mm -hmm. ask them and maybe work out with them and get some ideas on what works for them and form a whole different group, you know, around, right, around that different work schedule. So sometimes what we think is hard is not really hard, but it's like different than the norm. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, we have all these connotations about why is it hard? Well, it's not hard physically, it's hard emotionally and mentally because no one else is doing it like this.
0: As you're talking, Mm -hmm. I envisioned firefighters, you know, with the garage door open and the, you know, doing bench presses while they're waiting for the next call to come in. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Julie, for your time today and all the great sleep advice.
2: Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure being here.
0: So Tish, I just, giving myself a pat on the back, it's a rest day for me, but I went in, it's a sunny day here in Portland, and I went and took a walk to admire the flowers, um, as you know, because I texted you a picture of Daphne's, but uh, I'm like, ooh, I did something good for my sleep before the sleep podcast.
1: Yeah, got I uh, got some sunlight in your eyes, which is going to help you sleep tonight. Exactly. And, and are you going to take a nap today?
0: Oh, no, no. <laughs> Um, naps are a very rare commodity on a work day, I, even though I am self-employed and work from home and have done for eons. I, I have a real distinction between weekdays and weekends. So, and thankfully my body seems to go along with that.
1: All right. So you'll nap tomorrow. Yeah. Uh,
0: possibly, you know, I haven't been napping as much. I gosh, Nice. You said you were a professional napper. I what am. What kind of professional napper are you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, see, I told you, no one's hired me yet, so I'm not getting paid to nap. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs>
1: Sponsors, are you listening? <laughs>
0: right, right. Uh, no, I guess. Oh, I guess I did take a nap one day last w- weekend because I um, did two workouts in the day. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm.
1: I'm not impressed. <laughs> 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 you know, oh if goodness. we were professional runners, the mm-hmm. professional runners do nap pretty much every day.
0: I but know. you know, they
1: are getting paid for it, so mm-hmm. they're they're in lies the rub. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we can only we can only dream of such things. Yeah. Boom cha. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you're dreaming about joining us in lake Placid for our retreat, which is September sixth to 9th And interestingly enough, I haven't mentioned this before. The woman. From the host hotel who reached out to her boss and said, ask another mother runner if they want to have their retreat here. It's this woman, Maria, who gets up at 4 a.m. every day to go on a long run. And boy, my hat is off to Maria. So, And I'm so glad that she brought us to the High Peaks Resort, which is our host hotel there in Lake Placid. It is right on Mirror Lake, which is the beautiful boat-free lake that is in downtown Lake Placid, which is a gorgeous, charming village nestled in the Adirondack Mountains, where in early September it will still be warm enough to go open water swimming, which I'm really looking forward to. We'll go on runs. We will do yoga, listen to expert speakers, enjoy fabulous meals, make new friends, solidify the relationships that we might come into the retreat with if you bring, you know, a relative or a friend. Um, but please consider joining us. It is a gorgeous location, a new location for us, and we're super excited for it. And you can find out all the details and register at anothermotherrunner.com. Again, anothermotherrunner.com. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Mador from Fire on the Bluff. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just not going to acknowledge what, what happened yesterday. So, Uh, you know, this is not the first time this has happened to us.
1: Oh, it's not. Oh my God. No, we did this. This, we've done this before. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Tish.